You're listening to Our Two Cents with the team from SGL Financial, building wealth for life. Steve Lewitt is the president of SGL Financial and Gabriel Lewitt is the CEO. They're here to discuss all the latest in financial news, trends, strategies, and more. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Gabriel Lewitt and Stephen Lewitt coming to you live from our two cents here in the studio, a.k.a. the conference room of our lovely, sunshiny office this morning. I wonder why people say coming to you live. I mean, it would be terrible. <laughs> the alternative is like that didn't, wouldn't work out too well. Well, I, I don't think it means live as in alive, Mr. Lou. I yeah. think it means live as in technically we're recording this live. <laughs> okay, I don't want to get I don't want to get us off the topic like I usually do. So go ahead, Gabriel. Well, give. technically, when you're listening to this, it's not coming to you live. It's coming to you from Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so coming to you from Wednesday. Uh, yeah, we're we're excited to talk to you here today. We've got a fun little show lined up for you. We're going to talk about the uh, the famous one and only TV star, Mr. Stephen Lewitt. We are. Well, because you were on the news. Ah, again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I keep it. W, they, WGN keeps calling back. So hey, <laughs> that's a good thing. So yeah, yeah Mr. Yeah. Lewitt, Mr. Lewitt, other other sent over here was on the news for uh, discussing the inflate. Uh, well, the inflation. Uh, well, the interest rate interest rise. rate adjustment Increase. to attempt to rein in inflation. Yep. And so there was quite a bit of stir about that last week. So we'll talk to you a little bit about what he discussed on the show as well as some of the specifics. So you can learn a little bit more about that. Then we've got some, you know, some good topics here about basically, well, hold on. Where was it here? Uh, reading the fine print. <laughs> you didn't read the fine print on the topics. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what should you watch out for before you get into something? Uh, we've all had those scenarios where you buy something and only to find out something else you didn't like later. Yep. Well, how do you avoid that with your money? Hard to do. Mm, but important. Very important. Okay. Lots of fine print. Now, one other thing before we dive in. Can you believe the summer is over? No. It is I, now officially fall. W- well, I have to. I and it lo- was cold this morning. I it was like lo- 55 degrees. I love this cool weather. You know, I'm, I'm like, this is my weather. I love this. If it could stay like this year round, I'd be really, really excited. It's somewhat what California is like, right? It gets cold. It's down into the San upper fifties, low sixties, and San, then warms up in the day. Yeah, San Diego, you know, yeah. steady seven degrees, seventy degrees. So hopefully you got yourself bundled up and get your uh, fall wardrobe oh, out of the stop, closet. Stop, stop! You're depressing me. <laughs> stop! You're depressing everybody. Probably you get your winter boots ready. Get ready for the slush. tune up the snowblower. <laughs> Actually, I got to buy a new snowblower. Oh my! Because mine broke last year. Yeah, I got a guy. I got a guy. If you need a guy that knows how to fix ego electric snowblowers, no, that does your driveway. Oh, <laughs> you don't that have to worry guy. about it. I got no, a guy. it's not big enough to get a plow. I need yeah, a snow, it is. Snow, snowblower doesn't cost that much. I think to move the car. Yeah, that's a pain. Oh my! Oh man! Okay. Well, let's uh, go ahead and dive in. So, Mr. Lewitt, you were on TV. I were. I were. Yes. yes, and what what were you talking about? Well, the you know the Fed raised the interest rates to another seventy five bips, and, and uh, a bip is a for ba- someone that ba- doesn't, it's doesn't called know a, a basis point. Mm-hmm. So a basis point is like point seven five percent interest. So seventy five bips is zero point seven five interest. Yes, thank yeah. you for that clarification. My mind is not working this morning. 
Um, so I got a little distracted this morning because uh, I had to get some emails out this morning really, really late in the morning, and they were important. So I got involved in that, and then I was rushing to get here, and then I hit a cop car, was in the middle of the road with his lights blinking, and everybody was jamming on their brakes. And then I got in here 10 minutes late, and then I had to get my coffee, and the coffee machine didn't work. And now we've got snow to worry about. All right. So you were talking about interest Infl- rate. In- so inflation, 75 bips. <laughs> I'm driving Gabriel crazy this morning. Um, so, uh, so, yeah. So inflation uh, is up. Uh, why? Because people have too much money to spend. It's very simple. Uh, it's supply and demand. When the supply... When the demand outstrips supply, you have more money than there are goods and people are spending it. It drives prices up. Interest rates is what I talked about is supposed to cut back your ability to spend. And and how that works is when interest rates go up, you borrow less, companies borrow less, uh, and, and with less money, you're supposed to have less inflation. Except that really hasn't happened yet. There is less money, but the inflation is still pretty high at 8.4%. Uh, which is still almost double what it was a year ago. And so I expect to see more rate increases. They actually asked me to do a prediction uh, on the uh, on TV, which is unusual. Uh, and, you know, my crystal ball is as good as anybody's crystal ball. But I, I think inflation will continue. It'll come down, but we'll see interest rates go up uh, at least until a, probably the second quarter of next year. Mm. Okay. So in short... The interest rate increase is designed to help cut back inflation, and but that doesn't happen immediately. No, there's a lag in there. And the problem is, Gabriel, is that people are sitting with lots of extra cash, uh, you know, uh, still layover from all the uh, giveaways that were given during COVID. And uh, there's, so there's still a lot of money in circulation. And even though inflation is up, spending is still good. Uh, the other part of that that I didn't talk about is people are saying, well, are we in a recession or aren't we in a recession? Well, the, the uh, standard definition of recession is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP, which we've had. However, the NBER, which is the National Bureau of Economic Research, are the people in the country that deem things a recession. They say this is a recession. But they haven't deemed it, yes, because there are, there are six or seven other factors that they bring in, like unemployment and real, and real income. And what's happening now is unemployment is still very low and real income is still very high. So even though we've had two consecutive quarters of, na- of negative GDP, the other factors are very positive. So the NBER says, well, we haven't defined this as a recession yet. Mm. Well, so you're thinking there's going to be additional interest rate increases, which, of course, Fed is is implying there's going to be. I agree with you there. I think that's going to continue really until the Fed gets things under control. And we've talked about it a little bit on the show. They're aiming for what's called a soft landing, where they try not to trigger a recession, even though by all technical traditional measures, we're pretty close to one. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. Now, in the meantime, the effect on bringing down inflation long-term lags, interest rate increases, right? So we've got to factor that in. But some things don't lag. I mean, what are some of the things you're seeing change 
right now due to the interest rates being hiked up another 75 basis points? Well, look, uh, mortgage rates are up. Uh, the housing prices are coming down. Speaking of that, uh, Producer Katie, good morning. Uh, could you Google current 30-year fixed mortgage rates? Uh, we'll tell you what they are, folks. They're they're creeping up there pretty, pretty good. Uh, let's see what we can see here. Uh, da, 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 da. Just click one of those there, Producer Katie. What do we see? Uh, okay, we've got somewhere around 6 point... Whew! 6.263 to 6.5 percent. Yeah, I was going to say six. Almost seven on some yeah. of these. Yeah, I, wow. didn't, I didn't think it reached seven yet. Yeah, so Ooh. what So what does that mean? It means people stop buying houses. Yeah. That's, and, I mean, just think about it. These are more than double what they were almost six months ago. Almost triple. Yeah, in some cases. Yeah. yeah you, were get, you could get a 15-year for 2%. That's correct. Almost yeah. uh, six, eight months ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, that, that dr so the housing market has softened, and the housing market is a huge driver of whether we're in a recession or not. <laughs> uh, and we're going to see that continue to soften, I believe. I'm, I'm taking out my crystal ball today, Gabriel, and what I think is going to happen. Um, so I, I think there are, there's a lot of gray in the future, uh, but the question, you know, I gave a seminar last night. I know I'm going on a little tangent here, but I gave a seminar last night, and I got three questions in different forms that said, well, it looks like the market is going to continue to go down. Why wouldn't everybody just go to cash? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll circle back to that in in just a minute here. Actually, I'll make sure I don't forget about that question. I just don't want to get too far off topic on the interest rate. We can talk about some of the the impact on the market, maybe as our last point there. Okay. And what what's the general feeling that's out there right now? But yeah, I mean, what do you do if you're if you're looking to buy a house? I mean, let's talk about some of the impacts that this level of interest rate raise is having because people haven't <laughs> this has been a long time since we've seen interest rates start to creep up higher like this it's well, been what over a decade over a decade yeah. yeah and so people this is like sh shocking a lot of people because it's been so long <laughs> since they've seen things this high well right? a lot of folks have accumulated credit card debt because they were getting it so cheaply or borrowed money at very low rates and variable rates so if you have anything with a variable rate this is the time to really take some of your savings or make sure you save and pay off those balances. Yeah. And what's ha what ha you know, a lot of folks do not have wealth. You know, 60% uh, of the country lives hand to mouth uh, and has very little savings. So, so this is the time to really budget. Uh, this is the time to make sure you're paying down your debt as best as you can. And this is the time, especially coming into the Christmas season or the holiday season, where spending goes up, is to really be careful because if you take on more debt in a rising interest rate environment, that is like, uh, it's like selling stocks in a down market to get income. It's just a bad move to, mm. to make. Yep, yep. Well, and if someone's looking to buy a house, you just have to factor in the lower, um, maybe a lower housing amount, right? Because... Now, the good news is hopefully housing prices are coming down because of the softer demand, so that should help a little bit, but you're going to be paying quite a bit more in interest yeah, uh, and, with the and, higher rates. And it's with higher interest rates, Gabriel, it's harder to qualify income-wise to get a mortgage loan, so that gets tighter too. Mm -hmm. So lots of impacts here. Now, how about on the positive side? Any positive news from rising interest rates? 
I can think of a couple. I'm, well, I'm, quizzing, you, I'm quizzing you. Then you go. <laughs> I want Put you on the spot there. Yeah, what's positive about what's po- Well, if you check your... Inflation goes away? Well, that's, that's the main goal, of course. Yeah. Well, if you check the uh, payment uh, rates on your money market accounts... Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, those are now creeping up past 3% on some money market accounts that are out there. Uh, two and a half, three percent. So that's really positive. Um, social security increase. You're going to see a big social security bump next year. Yep. Uh, MIGA rates. Uh, those MIGAs, folks, multi-year guarantee annuities. They're like CDs. Like CDs, but uh, but better. Uh, you've got now five years that are paying almost five percent fixed, right? Guaranteed for five years. I think four point six. Four point six. Is, is uh, the top, yeah, yeah, but I think they're going to go up a little bit more with some of the recent. Yeah, uh, there's increases. one out there at four point eight. Uh, so four point oh, just yeah. under five. So yeah. so that's pretty good. I mean, if you're thinking, hey, I might as well lock in a fixed rate. I'm worried about what the market's going to do over the next five, seven years. Uh, that's another option that you can keep in your toolkit. Yeah. So. Sure. Uh, so lots to think about here. We're going to continue to monitor this. I know the last thing we had wanted to circle back on is how does this impact the market? Well, we saw last week uh, market reach new lows mm-hmm. right on the year or, or almost tied or just barely surpassed its prior low in June. And a lot of people, as you said at your seminar, are asking you, you know, they, they think this is the beginning of more market pain to come. And the, the allure is, what should I do? Do I just go and, and sell everything to cash? Well, folks, this is where people tend to capitulate when they try to do market timing, right? The first rule is we have no clue exactly what's going to happen. Well, wait, wait. I'd right. like to back up on that you one, can, one sure. little bit because this is one of the emails I was addressing this morning is I got this long email from a client who's got a plan who has, you know, we have all these losses built into his plan. And his email, we don't get many of these folks, but, uh, you know, I'm very concerned when someone's upset. I'm losing money, Steve. Why don't I go to cash? I mean, basically, that's what it boiled down to. And I understand emotionally how that could happen. And, and, you know, and it could work out. You know, the market could go down and you might figure out when to buy back in. But all the research says that doesn't work. You know, you might luck it out once, but if you miss the best days, you miss the whole gain back in the market. Yeah, you know, so I think to address that on a bigger scale, it always goes back to there's two two methods of investing, high-level cate- categories. You can be what's called a, a tactical or an active investor, which is much more speculative, and speculative means it carries enhanced risk, okay? And then you've got more tried and true, which is the philosophy you can't, no, you can't guess or time the market, okay? And the allure of of actually funny enough the allure of selling to go to cash is actually it seems safer but long term it's riskier because the data shows you're going to be behind okay and when when we say the data there's research study after research study that shows that individual investors that tend to try to time markets and sell and go to cash and then buy in later miss on the recovery and do so they, they just stay in cash for so long waiting for the recovery to finally prove that it's recovering well you never know if it's a temporary <laughs> recovery or yeah or you know? it's gonna go down further so you, you wait and wait and wait until you're so sure that the market's recovered and then that, it's too late and then it's too late and this is what happens and you know but as humans we say hey the the safe idea right now feels like getting out of the the boat onto some land okay but it ends up long term being a poor financial decision. Well, you said the key word, long-term. 
Yeah. Because the market is not a short-term play. It's no, not a short-term no. game. It is and a we can't reiterate that enough. And so many people think, wow, I went into this and now I'm down this year. Well, what should I do? Well, we didn't go into this to definitively be up this year, right? We know that when we get into the market. The price you pay for entering the market is that you have to go through some volatility, right? It's not all up years. And we've got to understand the rules of the game before we get into it. And that's what we're seeing right now. But it, it's really tempting and it makes sense because of that short term, hey, if I go to cash, I'm going to protect any further losses. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's in your long-term best interest. It just ends up being we have this bias that we're smarter, right, as humans than, than maybe uh, than, than if we did nothing, right? So we say, oh, we'll find the right time to get back in, right? Yeah. <laughs> we'll find the right time. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's where, look, you know, we don't know when the bottom is going to be here. What if you sold today and by October, because there's data that historically says uh, the, the holiday effect, markets start to go up. What if we're close to the bottom and you sell now and then you miss the recovery, right? You, so you just don't know and it's, it's not a good idea typically to try to time the markets with big chunks of money. You know, Gabriel, but I understand it. Look, we're human beings, most of us, and... You know, I'm not sure if Mark Zuckerberg is. <laughs> right. He, you've you've seen those jokes, right? Yeah. The pictures of the yeah. memes. Yes. He just looks like an alien robot. He, well, I know he, he does, truly but, does. But I'm not going to personally attack. Well, Mark I don't. I like. I don't. I mean, whatever. He's Zuck. I'm just saying he looks like an alien. He, well, <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But but listen, listen, Gabriel and everybody. There's something in us that when something goes that we don't like. We want to fix it. So we always want to fix things, right? You know, like if, if, you're, if you have an argument, like if I have an argument with my wife, you know, I, I want to fix it. I want to make it better. And if, if something goes wrong with my car, I want to fix it. Everything I want to fix. And I think it's human reaction to say the market is down. I want to fix it. I want to make it better. And it's very hard to sit on the sidelines and say, you know, this is, this is my plan. Uh, I don't, fixing it is the bad thing to do in this case because I don't know how to fix it, really. And I just got to leave it alone because that's how a diversified portfolio wins in the market over time. But it's very hard to sit back and just leave things take care of themselves, I think. Yeah, it is. It is. So if you're out there and you're on that fence, you know, well, you certainly know our take on it. <laughs> Right. You think? You think? <laughs> if you're, but if you want to talk it through with us, you know, give us a call and uh, we can help you with that decision. Eight four seven four nine nine three 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 zero. Now, if your portfolio, if you're not with us and you're wondering if your portfolio is well allocated to ride through choppy, difficult markets, so that's a different question altogether, right? So we can also talk to you about your portfolio allocation, and uh, you can email us info at sglfinancial.com anytime. We schedule a time just to chat and see how uh, things are going with you and how we might be able to help. Are these are folks that are managing it themselves, mm -hmm. Gabriel? Yep. Yeah, correct. Yeah, we could do a portfolio. We do a lot of folks, we do a lot of portfolio reviews and analyses. Mm -hmm. Analyses? Analyses. Analyses, uh, mm -hmm. where we're looking at the fees, where we're looking at performance at different asset classes and sector classes, and can really show you the difference between uh, our portfolio and your portfolio and give you really good information upon which you might make a better decision for yourself. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so let's talk about the fine print 
Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Uh, switching gears just a little bit here. And as I said earlier, you've probably all bought something that you didn't read the fine print. And then, well, for example, I don't know, somewhere Xfinity probably has fine print that says they can raise their rates anytime they want to because they always do. And then six months later, I look and my bill is $10 a month higher than it was six months ago when I signed up those stinkers. Well, I like the fine print <laughs> that says... By pressing, How dare they? By pressing this button, this is an auto-renewal on your oh, subscription. Oh, yeah, there's, there's those ones too, right? Yeah. So how about with your money, right? There's bigger purchase decisions that you want to know the fine print on. And uh, as the phrase goes, the the fine print giveth and the fine print taketh yeah, away, right? Yeah, uh, So how about um, people that get surprised? Well, I'll just throw one out here that they got a huge rate increase on their long-term care insurance. Yep. Well, what was what was probably buried in the fine print that they maybe didn't read, unfortunately? Yeah, so they have the right to raise the rates. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read the fine print, but here's the thing. Well, so, right. okay, so let's say you're 40 years old and you yeah. you look at this long-term care quote and it looks terrific. It's like, a, it's like $75 a month. And you're like, oh, cool, I'm going to get a few thousand dollars a month worth of coverage when I'm... 85 years old, and I'm only paying $100 a month. This is a great deal. But why, why is it not a great deal? Well, it may not be a great deal. Well, we, we're pretty stronger on that. Usually, traditional long-term care ends up, at a for higher, many people, at a, being a very, it, it, they, very bad deal. Eventually, you get a cost increase that says you can either pay more or cut your benefits back. Yeah. That's traditionally what has happened. So, so that's a risk. I mean, everything, but Gabriel, here's the deal. If you read the fine print on anything, it'll scare the daylights out of you. Well, n- n- read, read the fine print on, on uh, mutual funds. You know, okay. Sure. Well, right? w- I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what are the big things that oh, okay. people should probably be looking for in these fine prints if you're yeah. reading through them. Yeah. Well, first, there are different fine prints. Like if you're reading the fine print of a mutual fund, you're not going to find out much in the fine print of the mutual fund, except that it's a high-risk investment. That, that's all you're going to learn. But if you're taking uh, a credit card debt, okay, um, can they call the loan? Can they raise the rates on you? Well, I know. I uh, yeah. So I was I was thinking about uh, <laughs> what, what am I missing here? Well, I, we were talking about the long term care insurance oh, one right there. So, yeah. so I just wanted to put a finish putting a bow on that one oh, before we moved okay. on to maybe a different uh, type of fine print that right. you might want to look at and bow it up. So, so the bow there, if you will, is that yes, if you are looking to buy traditional long term care insurance, one of the things you want to make sure of is how and what would cause your rate to increase, and make sure that you really understand that before you get into it, right? So, so that was the goal here. I wanted to talk about things where the fine print is commonly not read, and talk about the key things you might want to look into cool. with with the fine print. Well, then you have to talk about annuities, fine print. Uh, because annuities have, uh, on, on the anniversary date, there are things that can change. Um, so what you have to do there, so if you look at the fine print in annuities, how they could change, uh, there are some pretty abrupt possibilities in there. However, the history, then you've got to look at the history and say, okay, uh, it says they can lower this to this, but what is the history of this, you know? Have they ever done that? And what would happen if they actually did lower, let's say, a renewal rate to, you know, to some absurdly low number? 
Well, they would lose all the people would just sell and get out of it. So that which is death for an insurance company. So even though the fine print may have things there that are scary, the likelihood or possibility of that happening may be extremely low. So you have to weigh those two things together. Yeah, for sure. And, and so I think part of the challenge is even when you do read various fine print items is knowing how likely they are to occur or not to occur. And that's where working with someone that's got just more familiar, more familiarity and expertise and experience with some of these items can really be beneficial for you. So uh, as you mentioned, with annuities, you, you certainly want to understand how they work. One of the other things we hear most commonly with uh, variable annuities is people are surprised later on about the amount of fees that they pay. I just had a client uh, two months ago. We called in to learn about his current variable annuity, and he was unpleasantly surprised to learn he was paying 3.86% in fees. Mm-hmm. And those, they're not and hidden. I'm not, and they're, I, they're in there. Well, they are hidden because you don't see them on your statement. When you get your statement, they don't tell you right. what those fees are. Well, they're hidden and they're not hidden because you can, if you read the fine print, you would see all those fees. Well, you, you would. Correct. Well, generally, when something is hidden, they say it's hidden in the fine print. Right. So not to get into semantics, is it hidden or not hidden? But yeah, it's not front and center. Right. And I would argue that that is hidden. Right. If you know that you're uh, are getting you know, if you have no clue, you're being charged four percent in fees and then you get your statement. Your statement doesn't say anything about any fees. Even then, when you call the insurance companies on the VAs and you say, hey, what what am I paying for a fee? They'll say, oh, you're paying an M&E fee of one percent. And then you have to say anything else. Oh, yeah, now you've also, you know, <laughs> they, you don't, say, they don't list you them out. you got to say anything you. else like 12 times before right. they give you all the fees. And right. so, yeah, so there's a difference between being front and center and being hidden in the fine print. Yeah, okay. so this is where uh, I think that many advisors fall short, Gabriel, because they, you know, people aren't going to read the fine print. I, I, I think it's really hard for somebody to sit down, especially, I mean, we have some economic, uh, you know, numbers, people that read fine print for sure. But most people don't read fine print. Why? Because they're counting on you and me and the advisor to be truthful with them and tell them what's in the fine print that they should know. Yeah. And and unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time. It does not. In fact, I've got another example recently with a client that had a old REIT real estate investment trust that he had purchased prior to coming over to SGL Financial. And uh, he wanted to know if we could transfer it out because it wasn't performing well. So Joe, who was on our service team, got on a call with him to call the REIT company. And guess what they discovered, Mr. Lewitt? They cannot sell their shares. Ever. Ever. (laughs) That's what they found out. Now, do you think he (laughs) would have bought this? And I can tell you what he thinks because he wouldn't have. If he had known, hey, once you buy this, the only way you can get your money out of it is upon passing away. I'm sorry. just took a drink of water. That's crazy. I've never heard that before. I've never heard he, that. He before. was pretty surprised. Well, there so are, were we, because that's pretty unusual. Usually there's redemption periods, you know, once a year, offering periods. Right, something. You know. But no, this, they, they flat out on the phone said you can't access this money until you pass away. That's crazy. Even on redemption periods, they can suspend the redemption oh, yeah. period. They say, yeah. well, we have four redemption periods a year. But they have to authorize the redemption period. <laughs> and right now, lots of them are not redeeming. Right. 
Yeah. I, I love, re- I have a lot of REIT stories. The thing about REITs, this is where you need to read the fine print. A, a client came in and said, well, I own REITs from another uh, advisor. And I said, well, that's interesting. And what made you decide? Well, he said they were very safe. They were real estate and backed by real estate. And then we pulled out the prospectus. And you know what the first words on the prospectus are? What? This is a high-risk investment. Well, m- yeah, most people uh, think or hear real estate and they think something's less risky, okay? But uh, that's not necessarily the case. And so, yeah, just, you again, fine print, fine print. Uh, another example is somebody that buys a mutual fund and they find out later on that, uh, all the performance history of the fund, it didn't perform as they were expecting. Oh, guess what? It was a brand new fund, and all the performance history was back-tested. Mm-hmm. So that happens a lot. Yeah. So what does back-tested means? It means when something hasn't been around very long at all, and they would show you how they think they would have done had they been around in prior market conditions based on the approach they currently use. Now, this is very common in basically uh, actively managed strategies where you are very algorithmically based and you say, okay, had I applied that algorithm back on that day or time, here's how it would have done. Well, it gets worse than that, Gabriel. The (laughs) dirty little secret is that active managers are known, they incubate funds. So they (laughs) they might have 10 different algorithms and they test all these algorithms and then they say, oh, this one worked really well. Mm-hmm. And that's the one they bring to the public. Right. Yeah, so y- you want to be careful there. Now, that's very different than, you know, the the approach we use for the core of your funds is, you know, index fund base. So we know how those indexes have performed and the funds have relatively tracked those. And then they're just building blocks that we can assess how our portfolio is built. So very different than a, you know, newfangled, not tried and true strategy that somebody's trying to employ. So you always want to be careful when you're reading rates of return and performance histories. There's something in the fine print that says, whether or not something's been back-tested or whether or not the strategy really existed. Yeah, uh, one more I'd just like to add on. If we Do we have a minute, Katie? We, we've got yeah, a minute. we yeah. got a minute. Is uh, costs in life insurance, people are unaware of that too uh, because we buy life, life insurance. <laughs> you know, as you get older, it's like, wait, wait, so this is getting more expensive. And but yeah, it is because you're getting older and the likelihood of you passing away is, uh, is, uh, is higher, mm-hmm. which makes things more expensive. So inside life insurance, there are a lot of, lots of moving parts. And I mean, understanding what's inside a life insurance is nearly impossible for the, you know, for the layman because there's so much going on in there. Uh, so that's another place where the fine print uh, is important but your agent is more important because that's the only person that can really explain it to you, I think. Yeah. So in general, with all of these examples here, the key is really making sure you take the time to understand the products, the options, what's the details. And uh, to your point, making sure you're working with someone that you've got a long and established trusting history with that you know isn't going to lead you astray. So uh, just something to keep in mind, right? And I jokingly would say, or not so jokingly, but we we'll call ourselves the fine print readers, right? If you'd like for us to read any of your fine print. I know you do, Gabriel. I yeah. do. I send mean, it, we, send we, us the fine print our way, and we will gladly read through it for you. We have people do this all the time. I had someone send me the other day, What are you, this thing says that it's backed by government XYZ and is totally safe and uh, it's going to pay you X, Y, and Z 10%. 
And uh, I, she sent it to me. I sent it to my compliance guy. We read all the fine print, and it was absolutely not backed by the government. And you know, it was just totally, uh, totally risky and uh, and unproven. And that was all just buried in the fine print. So you betcha. Yeah. All right. So, folks, that's our show. We're going to wrap here for today. If you have any questions, give us a holler at uh, info at sglfinancial.com or call us at 847-499-3330. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, share the show with your friends. Keep the positive feedback rolling. We love it. We do. And we uh, do. have yourself a very wonderful week and weekend. Stay warm and stay healthy. Amen. Amen. All right. See you soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to Our Two Cents with Steve and Gabriel Lewitt. For any questions about your finances, give SGL a call at 847-499-3330 or visit us on the web at sglfinancial.com and be sure to subscribe to join us on next week's episode. Investment advisory services are offered through SGL Financial LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance and other financial products are offered separately through individually licensed and appointed agents.